Yo Show. What's up? It's Michael Yo. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. You know how it works. I release the podcast at a later date, but you get to see the live version of the podcast on YouTube and Facebook live. Uh, I do it every single time. Thank you so much for all the love. The podcast is really taking off. You guys are coming through. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I released a podcast with my parents, and it, it's incredible. My parents have blown up where so many people have sent me questions about my parents that now I have to uh, do another podcast with them to answer all these questions. So like I said, everything's going great. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you give it five stars. You know what to do. And as always, uh, go to michaelyo.com. You can check out my special Blasian for free, but I got to bring her in right now. I absolutely love her. You know her from the Chatty Bras. Jess, how are you? Oh, Michael, it is so, it makes my heart so happy to see you. It makes my heart so happy to see you. Like your face. I know we've talked a couple of times over the phone and everything since, you know, you were in the The Corona thing. You know, just the casual Corona thing. Um, But no, it's so nice to see you. It's good to see you too. It's good to see you too. Now, you know, Chatty Bras a huge podcast. You guys are blowing up, but how are you dealing, like both of you, dealing with the coronavirus? You know, so it's, we're on different pages. So my co-host, Becca, she is about to give birth in oh, no. 10 days, I think. Yeah. And so, I mean, typically I, the situation would be like very frightening for a lot of people, but this girl had had a home birth planned already so she was like i'm cruising like i already have my home birth planned i'm not worried about it so since everything like in quarantine started she's a little bit like i'm okay at home um i don't have fomo because i know no one's out and i feel very pregnant so she's, yeah yeah she's doing good <laughs> there's nothing really going on right now you know people no. starting to get back on the streets people yeah. are starting to get back out there slowly but like i tell everybody man you got to be cautious it can happen to anyone but i also understand people got to get to work they got to make money and there's only a certain amount of time america and i'm talking about americans and probably all over the country will be like okay we're gonna stay in we're gonna give you a chance and if you guys don't get it right we got to take our chances yeah. and go out and, and make money and get back to normal. So I've been seeing some comedians are getting back on the road. Like for you, what would you think time-wise until you're feeling comfortable to do that? The third and fourth week of August. I've already got booked on dates, so you I'm going. Booked? Oh, I already oh got booked. God. Congratulations. That's I exciting. have to go. It's part yeah. of me. I love, you know, like you hear when people say stand up comedy, you know, when comics go, I love it. I like, I absolutely love it. I miss it. Like, I love my wife. I love my kids, but a part of me is missing not doing stand up. And me and my wife had a, like one of those talks where I went through a lot through Corona, but she goes, are you going to tour right away? Are you going to wait till next year? And I was like, I got to get on the road as soon as possible. As soon as my doctor clears me, which he already has. Yeah. I got it because that's part of me. That's what I do. That's what I love. And without that, I'm like incomplete. Oh. I'm so incomplete without stand up comedy. I mean, it makes sense, though. You all as comics, I mean, are out every single night, like grinding. And when that comes to a like a halt suddenly, I think typically like nine to five, you know, you're 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 still able to come home and like there's a schedule, but with you comedians, it's like seven days a week. Just it is. It is. But with COVID, I learned a lot uh, because, you know, my immune system was down. I've talked to my doctor several times. I was always the guy that would perform to like, cause Saturday night you perform, you get back to the hotel around one. And I always would take the first flight out at like five 30 or six. And then I get home and I'm exhausted. So I was talking to Rogan on this podcast. It's like, I'm changing that now. I'm, you know, because I always want to get back to my family, but I also need to take care of myself. So instead of like only getting four, four hours of sleep, changing that flight to a noon flight, a one flight, sleeping in a little bit, eating breakfast, yeah. a good <laughs> breakfast, and then going to the airport, you know? Yeah, taking taking some care, quality care of yourself for sure. That's what it's about. So have you been nervous through the whole COVID process? Um, hmm. Not until you got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing i I think (laughs) i think i was the person like what you know what's interesting after i put out that video about it so many people said they didn't take it seriously so till they saw that video 
Yeah, I was so I was so grateful for it because listen, your girl's a rule follower. I wasn't trying to like fight. Like when they said, you know, stay home, I'm like, all right, not happy about it, but understand. But I still felt really skeptical. And um I was just thinking, of course, I'm gonna do it. I wanna protect people around me who are autoimmune compromised, people who are older and more susceptible, but also all of a sudden when you you're young, you're healthy, a friend of mine, and not only do you get it you are like about to die yeah it was crazy it it was it was one of those things where it was like all right i'm staying home i am listening to this happily i need to take care of those around me and all that and i and i I wouldn't say i was scared it was just all right this is like a serious lockdown and yeah but you know then then listen though your video it started to get me real heated because what started to happen is my friends who before were doing some like you know some of the conspiracy theory chirping in my ear uh-huh. I just kind of be like oh whatever whatever and now when a friend of mine got it so seriously uh-oh oh yeah <laughs> I, you get mad about it i was getting really angry like i don't understand these people look i understand conspiracy theories and why sure. some people believe in them whatever but sure. You can't say like some people are going, oh, 100,000 people never died. You yes. know, and I'm like, talk to those families that that they're like some say the shootings of schools never happen. It's a conspiracy. That's, it's that's like thing. it's it's like I'm all about, you know what? We're This is America. We're willing, you know, we have the opportunity to to think what we want and and conspiracy theories. I understand some of them. But like you said, when there's things that are being said, like. The, this amount of people never died and all that. It, I was like, okay, I'm getting yeah. heated. <laughs> and I don't... I'm having some hot conversations with some friends and it was getting a little wild. But... Yeah, I don't agree with with those kind of conspiracy theories. If you want to talk conspiracy theories, aliens, okay, that's yes. fun. On Let's conspiracy <laughs> talk about the government knows there's aliens. There's an agency above the president that the president can't even get into because the president changes every four to eight years, but they have a group that oversees the world. Okay, let's talk that conspiracy let's theory all day. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about no, the Illuminati. Sounds great. but Illuminati, fine. It hurts no one that we know of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, well, let's talk about this. Let's yeah. let I want to know about what do you believe? Do you believe there's an agency because i got into this conversation with rogan that there's an agency above our government that very few know about but that kind of run the world michael i'm not gonna say that i don't believe it (laughs) Um, (laughs) i wouldn't listen there's so much shit that's going on behind the scenes constantly. And I think that I have some sort of grasp on anything involving the government or history or anything. And then every day I'm finding out something else that the idea of a bunch of people who are, you know, the world superpowers because of monetary, like, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, but this is my thing. If that's the case, what am I going to do about it? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I just have to keep living my life. Like, I, you know, I, I can't go toe-to-toe with Bill Gates. I don't <laughs> have his power. <laughs> yeah, exactly. About it. So it's one of those things that's fun to talk about. But I have, you know, what's so funny is before I uh, hopped on, on the podcast with you, I was like on a phone call arguing with a friend who's like so deep in that and was like, no, you have to believe this. And I was just like, all your videos, it's great. I just, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do with them. Like, are we yeah. gonna overthrow? I, I, I don't, I don't understand. You <laughs> know, I never thought about, but I don't know. I never thought about that point. Like, even if there was, okay, great. So, what yeah. am I supposed to do about it? Like, what am I gonna do? If I'm Elon Musk and I have this thought, okay, different story. But I'm Jess Ambrose. I did eh, so so in school, math not so great. I mean, what am I supposed to do? I have a podcast where I talk about The Bachelor. I'm not going to be overthrowing <laughs> the government. Like, I just, it's just not the case. So, what do you think about aliens then? Oh, I've always believed in aliens, but that's just more because I like the idea of believing in aliens. What type of aliens do you believe in, though? Like, there's ones, there's ones that come to Earth that check it out. That you know. Uh, uh, you know, take some people up for a little bit, bring them back down that put rings in uh, abandoned fields. Are you that alien believer or are you the alien believer? It's like, look, it would be stupid for me to say there's no other life form in the universe. That's the second part. But I do yeah. like to imagine that um, 
you know, did you ever see the movie uh, Arrival? Wait, wait, tell me it. I think I have. So it's it's when um, who is it? A- Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner and the aliens land and like pods. I don't want to give it away because what a movie! I just oh I, I, yes, I have seen it. I have seen it. I it's one of those movies that I heard everyone was like, oh my god, it's incredible, incredible, and I just never watched it. And since lockdown, I've been watching more movies at nighttime. And I watched this movie, and I you know when a movie messes you up for like a week afterwards. <laughs> It was one of those movies where for three days I was just like in a haze because it just really rocked me. And it's weird because it's a movie about aliens. But I like to picture the aliens like that. Just See, like, you're one of those people that would be the first to get blown up because you would be on a you would be on top of a building with a sign. Welcome aliens to the earth. No, it'd be like, no, I'd be like, I'd want to just like touch hands with the aliens and be like, let's just come together in some beautiful unit. And then I would die. <laughs> OK, this looks like a guy that might be a good. He says humans to aliens are what ants are to humans. Okay, that would make sense to me. Or I like the idea of that. I like the idea. I understand what he's saying. I totally yeah. understand. And I agree. That's why, oh, let me, I'm getting all these comments in. What is this? Damn, hey, Michael, what's good? Nothing, Ramon. Just doing a podcast. If you're watching on Facebook and YouTube, you can join the conversation. I may put you, I accidentally put you in the conversation, Ramon. But what's up? I hope all is well. I'll read your comment on the air and put it up there. Uh, live on Facebook and YouTube, and then the podcast come out. But, wow, that is risky business, Michael. You just let people pop up and say anything. Do you ever get? Well, I mean, I can. <laughs> like, if somebody writes something right now, I can put it up. So if they like, for instance, they may have an argument that that says right. the aliens are alive, and they send me an article, and I'll open it up live during the podcast. So no, it, it's it. very interactive. I love yeah, it. it's cool. Living on the edge, I appreciate. I that. am living. You know me. <laughs> After I beat Corona, man, only one life to live. I'm gonna live it on the edge. Oh, absolutely! As soon as this, as soon as this quarantine's over, you're just gonna see Michael like doing every skydiving, like, cliff diving, jumping. <laughs> like, okay, let's relax a little bit. No, um, I'm a chicken compared to that stuff. Like, I don't do really? skydiving. You've never no, been skydiving before. I will never do anything that endangers my life on purpose. What about like crazy roller coasters? Are oh yeah, but that? I mean they do endanger your life, but I mean how many roller coasters crash a year? Maybe let's say let's say 10. And how many rides happen in a year? I mean it's just those odds are very low, but jumping out of a plane, you will not survive that. Where a roller coaster, if there's a malfunction unless it flies off the track, you're going to pretty much survive. So I'm going to take those odds. Yeah, I think I, I feel similarly where I will put my life in anyone's hands who I believe knows what they're doing. But when it's up to my own, like, expertise, I'm out. So the like, whenever it comes to extreme sports, when I'm the one in control, no, no, no. But I'll skydive on someone else's like, like you will skydive. Stomach. Yeah, I'll do like the little like the little uh, uh, kangaroo pouch thing. I, I've no. done it before. I've gone I've gone skydiving a couple times. And what did that do for you? Um, you know, it's just fun to say it. It's a yeah. fun thing to pull it up parties. No, I, the adrenaline rush was amazing. I was more scared though, after jump, like going up in the plane, jumping out, didn't freak me out so much. It was the parachute down where all of a sudden you're slow and you're so high and you don't, then all of a sudden you realize how high you are. And I was like, don't like this part so much. Not for Yeah. Not yeah. For I don't like any of it. That's why I would never do it. No, no. And and hey, just a just a bit of advice. You can lie at parties and say you still skydived, and oh, they'll I believe love you. That. I like. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll throw out maybe at the next party that I did a some sort of cage diving with sharks because I would like to do that, but have it <laughs> freaked out by that. No, I will not. <laughs> I stopped doing it once I had my daughter. Beforehand, I was like, okay, I was skydiving and doing all that. Now, now I I feel a little more concerned about. Can I tell you what's funny is I was at Disney and uh, I love um, what's that roller coaster? Incredibles. Have you rode the Incredible roller coaster? No. Was it another one? Was it like uh, California Screaming before? Did they change? It, it? might have been it. I don't. I don't know. When my son was born, we started going to Disney. So I've only been going for three years, but I love this roller coaster. And then one day it wasn't working, and then all of you know they fixed it while we were still at Disney. And my wife goes, you really want to go on that and risk your life? You have a family now. And I was like, you know, that is kind of childish. Me getting on a roller coaster. It feels a little. 
You're like, I mean, why am I risking my life? You're fine, you're fine, but yeah, maybe not the cage diving with the sharks or no. bungee jumping so much. No, I am not going to swim. Like when people swim with sharks, have you seen the people without the cages? Oh, that just no. That's that's some next level business. That's some. Ne- I was actually once I was snorkeling in Hawaii, and I was I was pretty young. I was maybe like ten or eleven. So my parents are floating around, and I'm just doing my thing, and all of a sudden a shark comes into my view and it was i forget what type it was it was a harmless shark but the amount of extreme horror that i felt i will never forget and you know you can't you can't run away like you're in their territory what what why do people tell you to punch a shark in the nose like i would the 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 amount of wherewithal that it would take for me to focus and punch (laughs) a shark in the nose like i'm panicking i if i have a panic attack off land i can barely aim at anything let alone in the water <laughs> i'm supposed to have direct aim no There's no it's the same yeah punch a shark in the nose <laughs> no not i wouldn't it. no not at all not at all uh so during the quarantine since you've been locked up at your house like everybody else what is yeah. something you learned about your partner that you didn't know before because you're spending way more time with your partner oh that we hate each other <laughs> yeah no, it's uh you know what? I I will say that I have both realized how much we value our space and I didn't realize until we were in quarantine that we spend a lot of time like in our home apart, like not interacting. Wow. And we're both very much I mean we've been together for a really long time. What's a long um, time? I mean for my age i'm 31 we've been together for 14 years with like a year in the middle give or take wait a minute since you were 17 yeah we started dating in high school and then we broke up for like a year and a half and then we got back together oh that's sweet though it's wonderful and and he's like you know we've been just partners for forever but we both are very like we're introvert we need our space and so when my when my other my friend my other friends would be like, oh my god, you know, we just we talk all day and we text all day, and I'm like, we just we've never really done that. We kind of are have our space, and then when we sit down for dinner, we have the best conversations. And when we're but we we're apart a lot. So now with quarantine, because the little ones at home were together all the time, and I'm like, my god, I love you so much. I just need my. We both just need our space. So sometimes, well, you know, we just watch different things in different rooms. <laughs> do you do you think like when couples meet today, though, say like me and my wife, it's been we've been married four years, but we've been together six. But yeah. we kind of met through where you kind of text each other. You're kind of more interactive. You met before there was even I know. like there wasn't even the, the whole practice. text. Yeah, there wasn't. <laughs> Like you met before the iPhone, basically. Oh yeah, no, I had a razor flip phone. When oh, the we were flip dating. phone. Oh yeah, I had my razor for sure. Um, I think that, that I'm sure that plays a huge part in it. Um, because yeah, by the time that that we were had been together for a long time, that's all of a sudden when texting is like coming about. But we're both just kind of wired that way. We're both um, we're both we both talk a lot when we're around other people, but we like to spend a lot of time not talking by ourselves. I am so, the same way. Are you? I am really? the exact. Oh my goodness. Like I hate people, <laughs> but I'm great in a room. You know what I, I mean? Does that make any the sense? Hell out of a room, but I can't stand anybody in it. No, 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 no. Like <laughs> I just I don't, li- no. I don't like to know a lot of random people. No. Like if I know you, like it's special. You know what I mean? I like, I'm not a social butterfly. I have friends that, they know everybody in town. If they go out, they're like a celebrity, you know? You seem like such a social butterfly to me. That That is so surprising. No, because I don't like to be, a, I don't want to say I hate people. I don't like to be around a lot of people at once. Yeah. No, I You know what I mean? Yeah. I can interview anyone. I can hold a conversation. I can work a room like nobody's business. Oh, yeah. But when I'm home, it's like, I, I talk to my wife, but it's not it's it's this feeling uh it's a it's a way different feeling where it's like a lot to go out and really i don't know it's a weird thing it's just i just don't like crowds of people you know no i i completely get that i i'm very introverted so i spend a lot of time needing to like just have my alone time but 
I have a few very close friendships and I like to have like very intimate conversations with those people. But then when I do go out, I love to be surface level, like nobody's business. It's like top level conversations. The idea of going into a room full of people and like having really intimate conversations with a lot of them sounds really exhausting. No, it's very surface. Like, how are you? What you been up to? Oh, that's great. Oh, that's so nice. The one thing I hate about LA though, when you have those surface conversations is I hate when people always look past you and look at the door to see who's walking in. That's the worst thing in LA. Oh yeah. You mean the thing that makes you feel so special? (laughs) Yeah. They're like like trying to have a conversation. They're just like the whole time. No. Yeah. They're like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, 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 uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hate those people. Like I, I made, I like when someone shoots straight. I like when they're like, Hey, listen, here's the deal. Uh, I'm kind of looking around for someone else. Great to see you. Gotta go. Just, just hurt my feelings. I like to have my feelings hurt. If you're being, (laughs) no, you like honesty. That's what I would love too. It's like, Hey, I can't talk right now. I got to find somebody, but if I have the chance, I'm gonna come back. Fine. Do that all day. You know what I mean? But don't know. I, I, and I'm not, I guess another thing is I'm not into fake conversations. Like my wife is so amazing at fake conversations. Like she is, oh, like honestly, me and my wife are so complete opposites where I tell, I told her in our vows, like literally she is everything I'm not because like she really likes everybody. You know, I have trust issues with people. I need to know, like, she's like, trust first and then find. I'm like, no, no, no. That's why we balance it. No, 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 no. That's why we balance each other so well. You know, like she, she's the one that writes all the cards to people. I would never write a card ever. I'd like to marry her. I need to get better at that. I need a partner who will do that. (laughs) Yeah. You can marry her too. I feel like I'm supposed to do that as, you know, as the lady, a lot of times it's like, okay, you know, we tend to get the gifts and write the cards. We cook. I am horrible at all those things. You're a terrible cook. Oh, I don't think terrible. I can't cook. Like it's not even like a terrible issue. It's like, oh, I have like, I have no capabilities of doing it. Well, my wife has actually started to try because she enjoys it, but I cook a lot too. I'm not a big cooker. It's not like I'm cooking. I make breakfast. You're not like top chef, but like, no, 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 not at all. No, I'm making eggs, putting peanut butter on toast and avocado. There we go. Let's go. That sounds much better than any breakfast that I would ever make. Do you have a go-to dish you make? I mean, I don't know if you if you understand what I say when I'm saying I don't cook. <laughs> oh, okay. So not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no, I, I You're like I, my go to dish is cereal. I my make cereal. Dish is takeout. A lot okay. of takeout. Um no, I mean I snack like crazy. So I literally like take out some cheese, an apple, and brie cheese. I'll take out <laughs> like but I, I will I open an avocado and I just eat a plain avocado. I do that it's, too. It's delicious, but it's terrible because I have no experience. Now, luckily, my husband, he's he's gotten really good at cooking. So now, since especially in the past couple months, every day he's making dishes. It's fantastic. My friend Eric Rivera, when is it Michael's line? He's about to drop a cooking show next week in your kitchen. <laughs> yeah, Eric I mean, Rivera. The people want to see it. Come on. No, I would be great. Like, I could... Here's the thing, and one one huge reality show producer I was talking to said, it doesn't, like, people get caught up in reality shows, but it's about the cast more than the show. Oh, like, for sure. instance, The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills are all these shows. You could put them in a restaurant, and it would still be a great show. It's so it's so about the cast. So if I learn how to cook, oh, I could have, I, I believe I could have a cooking show. Oh, you know, it would be great. I mean, but even if you don't learn how to cook. Just I can still have a great cooking. Just because your dishes are are trash doesn't mean that it's not a great show. We'll call it <laughs> trash so cooking. Trash. That's that'll be the name of the cooking show. Just trash garbage. We'll call it basura. Just in Spanish, basura garbage that I make. <laughs> I mean, I'm in. I'm in. If you are gonna have any sort of guests to help create these trash dishes, I will throw random ingredients on. Top we will of crush it. We will we'll crush, crush it. it. We'll crush it. We'll just make now, it. that can be part of the show. Is you bring people in, just like how uh, Gordon Ramsay has his show, and they the guests come and they eat, and you watch them cook live. We have to feed 
people coming and sitting in our restaurant and it's just horrendous and they have to finish the dishes that's just kind of part of the deal and we get all the yelp reviews that are horrible yes (laughs) i like it people would start coming to the restaurant because like apparently this is so bad it's kind of trendy it's so bad it's good that'll be on the restaurant it's so bad it's good the show is trashed the restaurant it's called whatever but the slogan it's so bad it's good and it's trendy to go no we can't start getting lazy and not adding ingredients to this and just like throw on a piece of string cheese on a plate that i feel like i could start getting lazy i still gotta no know, we we actually cook we actually day. try to cook we on this try. show we try to to actually follow uh, uh in some instructions some recipes see i don't even it, know that they're called recipes michael i called them instructions instructions <laughs> I don't even know that you when you're referring to food, it's called a recipe. But It'll be me versus you, and the worst dish wins. Oh, oh, I I'm gonna kick your ass. I can't oh. wait for this. <laughs> I don't know. I think we got a show. I think we got a show. I think we do too. I, I've known you a couple of years, and I do notice that you have a lot of tattoos. I don't have I do. a tattoo. How many tattoos do you have? Um I mean, I'm, I'm going to like make a guess. Cause I have a lot of really like little ones. I think the last still a time, tattoo. Yeah. I think the last time I counted, it was like 22, 22. Uh, yeah. 22. Okay. And what was yeah. your first one you ever got? The fir- Oh, this is fun. The first one I ever got was this peacock feather. Well, is it in camera? There it is. And, uh, and the only way that I could get it, cause I was still living at home. I had just turned 18 and, um, I got this tattoo and my parents said, all right, well, you, um, you can get it, but it has to have meaning behind it. And I was like, I just want this peacock feather. Well, turns out I had to put a Bible verse attached to it to allow them. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a Bible verse attached to it and I don't know what the verse says. That's I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person. Well, you don't even know what the. You have a scripture know, on your leg and you don't know I what it don't says? I don't know what the verse says because it was legitimately me being like, okay, mom and dad, actually, I'd like to attack. This has the mean some meaning to me. And at the time, I connected them somehow. But now, as like a 31-year-old, I don't remember what it says. What what does what did the peacock mean? Uh, it was something like how, you know, I was trying to be super like, oh my gosh, lots of meaning. Um, it was something about, I just wanted a peacock feather and I created meaning around it. Um, I was like, well, you know, peacocks, they're the most beautiful birds, but they can't really fly very well. I mean, what they can kind of get off the ground a little bit. Uh-huh. So I'm like, it's not like the outer beauty is not the purpose. I, the irony is that I'm getting a tattoo to make my, in my opinion, make my outer body more beautiful. <laughs> So, it's not know, about you know, the outer it's beauty. It's not about the outer beauty. It's about what's inside. Yeah, I mean, whatever. It was just some. It was just some nonsense. Eighteen-year-old. Yeah, because trying what to you get just what you just said made no sense at all. It makes no. It makes no sense. And sometimes when people ask me about my first tattoo, and that's the story, I'm like, I don't get it, and I don't expect you to get it either. Okay. What about your worst test tattoo? Um. Ooh, that had no meaning, or that you you regret the most. I would, I mean, honestly, I would say that it's definitely the peacock feather. Oh, okay. But that's, it's, it's the, the one that's the worst, like the worst done. And I don't understand what it means. And if, and if it did, wouldn't have the ridiculous symbolism to me behind it of my like 18 year old stupid self, I would get it removed. Okay. What but, about the coolest tattoo? The cool. Um, I think my favorite one is it's, I mean, it's on my neck. Right I'll, I'll do a what? Oh yeah, okay. Um, and it says that that's my favorite one. It says "Burn Bright, Baby." Um, and I got it for my daughter. My daughter's name is Ember. So, yeah, that's yeah. sweet. Thanks. Yeah. Which Which one hurt the most? Oh, um, probably. Hmm. Oh well, I would say the top of my hands and fingers are the most uncomfortable because I uh-huh. have like, I have like. A bunch on my hands and my my fingers yeah and those those sting but the ones on the side of my hands i <laughs> i don't do well with needles <laughs> what that makes no sense I know. I know i hate needles but i like tattoos and i don't do well with needles so every time i go in and get a tattoo 
I have to like be in a position I've learned where I'm like, I could faint at any moment because I have a high pain tolerance, but it's the thought of a needle that just freaks me out. So in these specific spots where like the side of my hand, like the, the tattoos on the side of my hand, they made me pass out both times. So I don't know why that, those, those spots are like trigger points where I just got like so lightheaded. But ones on like my ribs and stuff, I know that those are supposed to hurt, but those ones didn't bother me as much. Wow. I don't have I've, one tattoo yet. Here's my thing. I love when people have like a bunch or none. Like I yeah. love, I, I love like, I mean, what I, once I started, I started at 18 and then it's like, all right, well, I, I guess I just got to keep going and I like them. But if I wouldn't have any right now, I probably, I, I wouldn't get one. I did think of a cool idea if I ever were to get a tattoo because my wife's name yeah. It's Claire. My son's name is Oliver. My daughter's name is Elise. But I would go CEO, Claire, Elise, Oliver for our family. So it could be it could be it could be cool. Something like that. Then if you're going to get one, especially if it's then your first or one and only to have something with your family. Most I, I don't have every tattoo for the most part on my body has some sort of meaning. There's like one mm-hmm. or two that are just kind of like whatever. But I like tattoos that have meaning behind them. I can't stand the people that get one tattoo and they put it like under their foot. Have you seen those people? Or under their toe? It's like, like, why? Or the ones like on the lip, on the inside of the lip. Oh, that makes no sense. Did you ever have any piercings or anything? Like, did you ever? I did. My wife still makes fun of me. I had two hoops back in, it's like when Michael Jordan did it. And, but my, bring it back. But my (laughs) my holes never filled in, so my wife always tries to stick stuff in them. Please do hoop earrings with the hoop earrings, please. A lot of people said I look like Lionel Richie with the stash and fro. You look look great with the stash and fro, and you add those two hoops on. That's a look. (laughs) Good look. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Um, so one thing I wanted to talk to you about because you're very aggressive on Instagram about it, and I love it, but. You're more woke than I am. Black Lives Matter. I mean, everything you post is about, and, I, and I'm proud of you. I'm happy that you do it. But what made you want to take it on so strong? Um, You know, I, a lot of it has to do with the fact that I spent, I would say, a mass majority of my life not tapping into it at all. And I think part of that had to do with my upbringing and like where I was raised and how I was raised. Where were you raised? I was in Orange County, like South Orange County went to, you know, it was my community. There was, everyone was white. Every single person at my school was white. I remember there was one black boy at my school was there for a year. Other than that, a lot of the kids came from like very affluent families would get their Mercedes Benz when they turned 16 type type of um type of upbringing and um that was what I was around all the time and everyone you know uh was conservative and I had a lot of passion growing up for justice but the irony is that like I I really knew nothing and I only allowed myself to see justice as far as like what was comfortable to me um and then a few years ago I started, especially like once I moved to Los Angeles and I was around a more diverse friend group, probably, you know, that started in my early twenties once I left Orange County, but specifically in the past few years where I started to have conversations and I realized, um, how in the wrong I was about a lot and that, that really hit home for me. And it took, you know, there was many months of me like kind of kicking and screaming being like no I'm a good person and and uh uh you know I I worked for what I got and and just kind of this this whole mentality this whole all lives matter type like bs that I would spout for many years um until a few people spent a lot of time like graciously and listen they did not owe that to me at all and I'm very grateful for them um, showing me resources, providing me with resources, having those conversations with me, um, that I was like, it's not right. So, so you're getting this information from friends, but was the George Floyd video, the thing that kind of put it over the top or you were going this way anyway? 
no, this, it was something that I had, I had been, uh, I was going that way anyways. And for the past, like, since we started the podcast with Chatty Broads, <laughs> it's weird because one day, one episode a week, we talk about um, Bachelor recap, like reality TV ridiculousness. But the second episode of the week, we talk, we always say we're like, we're balanced broads. Second episode of the week, we try to talk about, you know, more important things. And my co-host, Becca, has always been someone who has been doing a lot of anti-racist work. And so I did learn a lot from her. And this was a, a, a conversation she was passionate about. So we do have a lot of episodes talking about that. We've also spent a lot of time in the past, like, two years really, you know, trying to break down some of the Bachelor franchise and being like, hey, there's no one on these shows that the amount of like black indigenous people of color. It's just, it's just ridiculous. There's no diversity. And so we've talked about that a lot on the show and you know, uh, so that's, well, I feel, I feel when I watch the bachelor, the only reason the black people on there is just to meet a quota. Cause you don't feel like it's sad to watch a show and you don't even feel like they have a chance to win. No matter who the bachelor or bachelorette is. Yeah, and you know, uh, well, they 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 got a they were uh, in a lawsuit. That's why I think why they started to put maybe even some people of color on the show. And um, we actually had a guest on our podcast um, yesterday, and her name is Taylor Nolan, and um, she was on uh, uh, the Bachelor many seasons ago, and and she's uh, biracial, and she talked about how like listen. I I'm watching this franchise and I'm talking to other people, especially um, women who are black, who uh, watch the show. And it's like, there's this narrative of, you know, only like a certain girl who looks a certain way has like this fairy tale ending. And so there's actually a petition going around right now. It's uh, at batch diversity and they're putting this petition out and they're going after ABC and being like, Hey, this needs to change. And it's gotten thousands and thousands of signatures. So hopefully They'll wake up and we get Mike as the next bachelor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mike was, Mike should have, should have been the bachelor. He was a great choice, but I understand like, you know, like when little children of color watch the bachelor because their parents watch it yeah. and they see that only a blonde haired girl gets the fairy tale ending and you're growing up watching that. You're like, well, I guess I can't get that ending. And I know on the surface level, a lot of people be like, yo, Come on, man. That's dumb. But no, when you're a kid, you're very influenced by what you see. It's you know, you're very, them. especially you're very influenced by um, the people that look like you. How many times have you heard a kid go, oh, my God, you look like me. We have the same story. I look up to you. So just think a kid watching this show and say they're an African-American girl, a black girl watching the show. By there, There's four black girls on the show. By round three, they're all cut. Yeah. You know, oh, I guess we don't deserve well, the, the great thing, ending. It's that that's what it's all about. Right. And it starts so young. And I know, for example, like especially in the past few years, a whole wave of body positivity has been so huge. And I'm so for that. Um, but they use that messaging like, hey, body positivity. Um, we especially as a lot of women we're we're always seeing a certain type of body and that gets ingrained in our heads and it's not good for us. And it's the same way with diversity um, in the media. You know, if you're only seeing these, these white women get these fairy tale endings, you know, these young, these young people are, that's going to be messaging for them. For sure. I, like, I'm not going to out the person that said it. Cause I'm, I'm not that type of guy but a very influential (laughs) but a very influential person that that is that's been with the show said this was years ago maybe 10 years ago or eight years whenever the show was like at its biggest point uh said that they would never put on a black bachelor because it wouldn't rate and 10 years ago eight years ago is kind of like oh that's messed up but if that show still has that mentality today, well, I think that's a problem. They tried it with, uh, what was the uh, black girl's name? Rachel Lindsay. Rachel Lindsay. And it didn't rate as well, correct? No. Nope. But I think sometimes you got to take a hit, especially after you have a franchise. It's not like it rated that much worse, but it did take a hit. It's, but it's kind of like to like, move. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> You have 48 oh, wow. other seasons. You can- right. <laughs> And you have the obligation as a, as a gigantic um, show, one of the biggest shows in the entire world. Like you, that's 
part of like you have this platform you got to use it for that even if the ratings aren't as good sorry it's just it's just part of the deal Jason Escobedo right now thank you diverse thoughts bring diverse actions in any demographic bless you I agree and I love that the conversation is going uh, I love what you're doing on your social media and you're really you're really all about the cause and yeah well uh, you know back to what you were asking about George Floyd's murder that I mean for that was definitely we had been talking about that a lot on the podcast for the past few years but that is what really springboarded my social media presence when I realized I'm like listen why are you not saying anything like you read this you're getting resources you're trying to educate yourself why don't you bring in your your audience and I don't have a a huge audience on social media at all but I've got the golden I've got the swipe up link and that's a gift to be able to have a swipe up because it's easy way to give people resources and I'm like listen I, I feel like I this is something that I need to do and I wasn't doing enough of. And so I was like, okay, you need to snap into gear here. And, and it's, it's something that I believe I I need to do, you know? So, so, um, what is the backlash you're getting? Because I would imagine what a bachelor audience, like you got one of the biggest podcasts in the world with the bachelor audience. I'm sure people are used to seeing this show from a a certain lens. Yeah. Is there a lot of backlash? Have you seen, since you guys are talking about it and kind of, you know, you're in the conversation now, have you seen backlash people not listening to the podcast, people sending you evil messages, people going all lives matter. Of course they do. We know that, but that's not what we're talking about right now. You know, it's been interesting because our, the numbers haven't gone down. I think people, even if they don't like what's being said, and I think sometimes people tune in, especially when they don't like what's being said, because they're curious. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So the numbers haven't been affected, but as far as the backlash, I mean, our, because our podcast, when it comes to bachelor recaps, we've been talking about this for the past like year and a half. I would say a large majority of our listeners are like of the same mind as, as we are. Um, okay. but when we first started talking about it about a year and a half, Oh my goodness, there was a lot of backlash and, um, and right backlash now, as in how, um, you know, uh, like hundreds of one star ratings about mm. negative reviews about that. Um, like and- the stay in your lane comments. You talk about the bachelor, stay in your lane type yeah, of thing. For sure, for sure. And you know what's fun? A lot of like loss, like on our personal social medias, tons of DMs. You know, you know, you know what's funny to me is those people that say stay in your lane, don't talk about politics, are the same persons that are not in politics either. You're telling me not to talk about it, but you're not in politics either. So, I mean, my thing is too. I'm like, it makes no sense. I'm like, first of all, we own our podcast. We're not yeah. part of, like, we can say whatever we want. It's our podcast. It's not like we're on some national network and the show is a cooking show. And that's what we're listening. And even then you speak up for what's right, but let, that's right. Our podcast. we can talk about whatever we want to talk about. And if you don't want to hear it, then you don't, you don't have to tune in. You know, um, there was, there was a time when for, uh, a while that I personally, I, I would get nervous and I would tiptoe around certain things. Cause I was like, I don't want to offend certain people and I don't want to get the backlash and getting the DMS and, and, and some of the DMS can be really, really vicious and really, oh, yeah. and, um, I can, you know, I would imagine that, that you've received similar DMS as well, if not more. And I, I, I just let, I don't want to cut you off, no, but no, no. I get, I get what I feel is it's all about educate. There's some people that are just racist, hundred percent racist. There's nothing you can do about those, but a lot of people's education, they just yeah. don't know, you know, they, they hear about it, but since they've never talked to people, it's actually happened to. Cause my thing is once you see something on TV, it has to happen a lot and it needs to be covered a lot for people that don't experience it. To really feel that's why the George Floyd video moved the needle because people are like, like there's a lot of good people that just don't believe things. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that video, if you don't believe that video, then there's something wrong with you. You know, so I think that was the thing that moved people. And I keep using my wife as an example. My wife never experienced racism from Wyoming, blonde hair, blue eyes, beautiful lady, um, nicest person you'll ever meet. 
but she never had to deal with racism. And one story, I remember this happened like a year ago. Uh, they were my wife, my son, her parents were standing outside a restaurant and I was coming around to pick them up. But right before I got there, uh, there's a cop behind me that put on lights. And I saw my wife, my wife and mom, uh, my wife and her mom. I saw him kind of giggling over there. The cop went around me. I was just in his way. So he didn't pull me over. So, but when we get home, this is how uneducated they were, but now they're educated. When we get home, my wife goes, oh my God, it was so funny that I bet you thought that cop was going to pull you over. I go, no, what I thought was, I hope I get to see my family again. You know, so it's a, they just don't think about things like that. Like literally when that cop lights went on, okay, okay. Put my hands out there, put them out the window, uh, make sure there's nothing, you know, I want to make sure there's nothing that he could take for a gun, which I don't have, but I want to make sure my phone is in plain sight, my wallet's there. You know, all this is going through my head in just the three seconds, five seconds the car was behind me. My wife and her mom think it's funny, you know, because they don't know. They just think, oh, you know, a cop's going to pull you over. And in my mind, I'm like, I hope I see my son again. Okay, my family's right there. I can say, I'm going through this in my hand. I can say, sir, my family's right over there. I was just coming around to pick them up. All this is going through my head. But to them, it's, oh, this is funny. You, th- I bet you thought you were going to get pulled over by a cop. But yeah, once I educate reality. Yeah. Like once I educate, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I, I, I never thought about it that way. And that's the thing about education. You just got have to get people that don't experience these things to understand. And you don't accomplish that by yelling at them. You don't accomplish that by blaming them. You accomplish that by real conversations. And once I broke it down to my wife, uh, like that, they totally got it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, okay. And my wife sees it firsthand now since we have a multiracial son. She goes, yeah. she's more woke than me now. She's like, they're doing this, they're doing this, yeah. because it's never personally affected her. So if it never personally affects you, you don't really worry about it. White community wasn't worried when, you know, Dave Chappelle talked about it. White community wasn't worried about crack when it was in the black neighborhoods. But guess what? Now opioids are in the white neighborhood. You know, now they're now they're going through their thing, you know, and I would feel like a lot of black people don't care about that because it's not in their community. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, racism is a thing where we just need to be on the same page and understand it. You know, so when I see people go all lives matter, of course they do. Of that's course. dumb. That's like that's, that's like conversations about that's not what it's about. You know, yeah. Chris D'Elia had a funny video. He goes, when people say all lives matter, I say bacon because yeah. <laughs> it has I nothing to do clip. with <laughs> it's great it was so good but that's the thing for me like i i'm just like your wife like i had never and have never experienced it and my my husband is white and my daughter's white i mean we don't experience that and so i think for myself when i have people coming into my dms who are angry and saying some crazy some crazy stuff all i can think is this if this is all that I have to put up with, this little inconvenience to be able to talk about these things doesn't matter if it's if I get those negative DMs. Like it's, and it's about a- the bigger picture and it's about educating too. Like, yeah, sometimes I get DMs and they're crazy, but sometimes I get DMs and people are are upset, but then we're able to have a conversation. And like you said, it's a lot of people who just, it hasn't personally affected them. So they haven't cared about it at all. And it's like, okay, let's take a minute to step outside of, of ourselves as white people with our white privilege and, and have this conversation, you know, yeah, to make it very simple. If the coronavirus would have stayed in Wuhan, China or wherever it started and never came to America, people would not have cared. Because it wasn't in our system. It wasn't in our, it wasn't in our world, you know, our little bubble we're in. So now I'm glad everybody's getting educated and learning more about it. And that really, I was really happy to see how you embrace it. And that meant a lot to me. You know, Uh, I see a lot of black comedians saying their white friends reaching out to them, saying they love them. But since I'm only black, no white people have reached out to me. I don't know what's up with that. (laughs) Come on, white people. I'm reaching out to you now. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
But see, all my black comic friends, they're like, man, so many white people reached out to me, tell me they love me. And I go, yeah, I guess since oh I'm only God. half black, and since I'm only half black, please reach out to Michael. All my white friends, I'm, I'm you only a text right now, and I'm going to just send it to you while we're I you. I'm only half black, and I'm not getting the love. Oh, no. Half black matters, lives matter too. Come on now. Come on. Uh, so, uh, what do you got going on now? What are y'all talking about now on your Chatty Brads podcast? So, I mean, we were going to be talking about The Bachelor, but a lot of it has come to a pause because of coronavirus. Um, apparently, they're supposed to be starting to film again, um, like this month or in July, for The Bachelorette to come out in September. But right now, The Bachelor is dropping episodes called The Bachelor Greatest of All Time. And it's basically one season in a three hour episode every Monday. So, which is so long. It's so lengthy. Um, but we, we've we talked about that we're probably going to be recapping that. We were supposed to recap it yesterday. We decided to talk more about what's going on in the world. Okay, instead. good so, for you. You know, I think we're we're right now, we're just going to continue to to do both. But for the next few weeks, we're only going to have one episode because my co-host is going to have a baby any day. So we're taking Look at a that. breather. Yeah. All right. Well, if you need somebody to fill in for it, just let me know. All right. Oh, I'll be calling you. Sure. All right. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. How can people thank find you? you? Um, well, the, the podcast is Chatty Broads. It's, you know, on uh, Apple, Spotify, all the platforms. Um, and then my personal Instagram is at the bad mom with two D's because, you know. Because you're bad. Because I'm bad. Mom. <laughs> I'm the bad mom. <laughs> Because the other one was taken and there you she go. Wanted, and she wanted too much money for it. Okay. <laughs> All right. The bad mom. Thank you for being on the pod. I appreciate it. Thank you. Love All you right. So well, much, Michael. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you too. Tell your husband hi. Okay. I will. I will. And your daughter's a superstar. Just throwing it out there. She is going to do much greater things than I have ever done. <laughs> <for> sure. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, here's the deal, guys. Uh, that was the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate it, listen, uh, leave the comments. Also, my special Blasian. You can watch it for free at michaelyo.com. I'll see you next time. Let Michael Yow Show.